0: and welcome to Positively Pro-Life, a podcast brought to you by the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. Positively Pro-Life aims to bring you inspirational stories and conversation, important legislative updates, and informative interviews as we seek to restore and strengthen a culture of life. I'm your host, Ramul Tenney, the Education Director at the Federation, and joining me is my co-host and our Legislative Director, Maria Gallagher. Hello, Maria. Hello, Rimmel. It's great to be with you today. It's always good to have you. I love the conversations we have and the guests we have, so today's been a good day. Absolutely. Now, if you have been following current events in the pro-life and pro-abortion movements, you would know that lately there has been much legal and political action surrounding the abortion pill. Reports state that in recent years, more than 50% of all abortions in the United States are chemical abortions. Now, that involves a two-pill regimen, and the first, mifepristone, which is commonly referred to as the abortion pill, kills the baby in the womb by depriving him or her of nutritional, nutrition necessary for growth. And then the second pill, misoprostol, then expels the dead baby from the uterus. Now that is how the abortion pill uh, the chemical abortion works. Now the abortion pill not only kills the baby but is dangerous to the women to the women's physical and emotional health. This episode is the second of a two-part series on the curious case of the abortion pill. We will be continuing a conversation with Randall O'Bannon, the education and research director of National Right to Life, and we will talk about the latest developments in the abortion pill case. What it could mean for pregnant women around the country, and the common myths surrounding the safety of, the, of this lethal drug. Now, Maria is here with the latest update of the Supreme Court ruling on the FDA's approval of Mifepristone.
1: Remel, the following is from a national Right to Life news release. On Friday, the US Supreme Court released a decision that stayed lower court rulings and return the issue to the 5th circuit for a full hearing in alliance for hippocratic medicine versus the US food and drug administration chemical abortion drugs will stay on the market for now however the full 5th circuit court of appeals will take up the case in a hearing scheduled for May 17th we are hopeful that when the court takes up the expedited hearing on May 17th that it will confirm the fact that these drugs are dangerous to women said Carol Tobias, president of National Right to Life. The case was brought by the Alliance for Hippocratic Medicine against the US Food and Drug Administration regarding the abortion drug mifepristone. Justice Alito descended from the decision, writing about the ruling of the three-judge panel of the Fifth Circuit, that it would simply restore the circumstances that existed and that the government defended from 2000 to 2016, under three presidential administrations. The circumstances that existed from 2000 to 2016 were a series of protections meant to reduce the many dangers of chemical abortions. The U.S. Supreme Court gives the full Fifth Circuit the opportunity to evaluate the case on its merits and review the materials presented to them in a timely fashion, said Tobias. What the courts will see is a drug that does not cure a disease or alleviate the symptoms of a disease. It was developed to take the life of an unborn child and always has the potential to harm the mother.
0: Remel. Thank you, Maria. Now, in the previous episode, we talked about the abortion pill and the FDA's approval, why it was challenged after 23 years, and what is the data that's speaking to us about um, the dangers of the abortion pill, and also some of the risks of making Mifprestone available in pharmacies and through mail. Now, today we will be continuing that conversation with Randall O'Bannon, Education and Research Director at the National Right to Life. And he's here to keep us updated and aware of what we are up against if access to abortion pill is expanded and if safeguards to that are done away with. So we will also touch on certain myths and uh, beliefs that people are coming up with um, to defend that, to to defend the access to abortion pill in the market. So welcome back, Randall, to Positively Pro-Life Podcast.
2: It's good to be with you, Rammel, and Maria.
0: Yeah, we're really excited to- Yes. Go ahead, Rammel. We're really excited to continue this conversation and hear more from you, especially, um, about regarding the myths of the abortion pill, um, Maria, did you want to say something before we began? Um, I wanted to ask a question, and and that was,
1: what is the latest development with the Supreme Court's involvement?
2: Um, that was from Friday, the and in the, in the uh, release that you just read, um, Justice Alito uh, put forward the the statement of the court that they were just going to allow the process to play out further and they wanted to, they were going to allow the RU 46 or mifepristone to continue to be available as it has been uh, for the past several years. So we were disappointed with, with that result. We were hoping that they would have actually allow it to be pulled from the market or to at least to uh, reinstate some of the regulations that were, that were on there in the past. But what the court has decided that they're going to do is they're going to let the process play out it's going to go back to the fifth circuit where they're going to consider the ruling that justice uh, Kazmarek uh gave in the uh district court and consider whether or not uh the the drug should be pulled from the market uh or or, or the uh the excuse me the approval of mifepristone should be pulled uh and whether or not the, uh, and if that doesn't happen uh for some reason they decide that that the uh the challenge came too late, that the approval will have to stand, that maybe they could at least go back to the rules that were in place uh, prior to 2016. And that was when that you had to have multiple visits to the uh, to the clinic, uh, to have an examination, to uh, be screened, uh, to be administered the uh, mifepristone, come back for, for a second visit to receive the uh, misoprostol, and then finally for a third visit at follow-up. So there were three visits, and it was originally limited to women who were no more than seven weeks uh, past their last menstrual period or seven weeks of pregnancy. Uh, And originally, it was also limited to only being prescribed by uh, doctors and not by, for example, nurse practitioners or or other clinicians. And if it were to go back to the rules that were in place in 2016, uh, that would be the case. And that would mean that uh, you would have, you would have the uh, women would be getting at least the um, would at least be getting the uh, ultrasounds or, or or some sort of exam to determine how far along they were. Uh, you they would also be able to be checked for ectopic pregnancy, which you can do very well with the uh, ultrasound machine, um, and uh, uh, they would also be screened for the other conditions. So. They would not be getting this uh, so farther along when the risk are higher. Uh, the, uh, the likelihood of failure is more likely. Uh, the uh, There'll be more bleeding and so forth. So that would at least make it uh, not safe for the baby, but at least somewhat safer for the women who take it. Um, but that's uh, where we stand, and that's going to be going to the court. Uh, the Fifth Circuit is going to be examining it in detail on May the 17th in a couple of weeks from now.
0: So the way the FDA approval, we talked about this in the previous episode, the way that the approval was granted was that it was fast-tracked and pregnancy was termed as an illness. And uh, the abortion pill, mifepristone, was supposed to provide therapeutic benefits to the women. Right, So I just wanted to ask, now that this is being revoked, there is a lot of conversation revolving um, how if abortion pill is not available, it cannot be used to treat certain diseases and things like that, or certain illnesses. Now, could you you tell us, is mifepristone used for therapeutic purposes to treat any kind of illness?
2: Well, when it was first uh, brought before the FDA, the only reason for which they sought approval and they got approval was for uh, abortion, for the killing of uh, unborn children. Um, Now, even though that was the reason it was developed and it was approved, it has properties that researchers eventually found made this sort of drug effective treatment for uh, situations like Cushing syndrome. Now, Cushing syndrome is a condition where the body produces uh, overproduces cortisol, which affects the the body's ability to regulate metabolism, blood sugar levels, blood pressure, fluid balance, and it's just generally the the body's ability to respond to stress. So in 2012, that's years, you know, over a dozen years after the approval for mifepristone, a researcher with a company called Corsep sought and received separate approval to produce mifepristone as a treatment for Cushing's, and they got approval for a drug, uh, uh, mifepristone, under the drug name, trade name Corlim. Now, it's a separate drug, approved and sold under a different name it's given at a different dose and it's sold at a much higher price so the fda could easily limit distribution of the uh, abortion pill or even rescind the approval for uh a pr- mifepristone as an abortifacient without actually affecting the availability of coral to be able to treat for for uh cushing's so Cushing, so the, the corlan would still be in the market but mifepristone would no longer have the FDA approval as an abortifacient if the FDA uh, overturned the approval of mifeprex, which is the trade name for uh, mifepristo. Now, people say, "Well, couldn't they just use the corlim and use that for abortion?" Well, actually, that's 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 not that easy to do because even if a rogue abortionist were to prescribe corlim as an alternative to mifeprex or a generic mifepristone, the cost which is about $18,000 for a standard month subscription subscri- uh, of Corlim would make it very cost prohibitive for the mother. And if they were just maybe say, well, okay, they're just gonna prescribe a single pill, Bifepristone. See that would raise suspicions at pharmacy that you're misusing that drug, because that's not the purpose for which Corlim was approved. So mm-hmm. anyway, it, it you could, the FDA could easily pull the approval for mifepristone without it actually having any effect or harm on the people that are uh, using Mifepristone for Cushing's, um, which is a legitimate medical use, but one doesn't necessarily affect the other.
1: That's Randall, how do you respond to those who say that taking Mifepristone is safer than taking a Tylenol? Um
2: that's, that's a that's a very good and interesting question. Um, just real quickly, let me say, considered in terms of deaths per dose, uh, it simply isn't so. Um, what you have here is a not-so-clever sort of statistical sleight of hand where advocates try to get you to compare the number of deaths from a relatively lightly used product like RU-46 or Mifepristone with one that's used by billions of people every year. So, yeah, this is what this is what they'll tell you. They'll say, well, about 150 Americans die from Tylenol every year, and and, uh, and at the same time, there have been 28 deaths, only 28 deaths among Americans from uh, Mifepristone patients since the drug was approved in 2000. So, when you look at that, 28 deaths from Mifepristone in 20 years against 150 deaths against Tylenol in just a single year's time, it sounds like that Mifepristone is safer. But wait. So this is where you have to pay attention to what the numbers are. That's 150 Tylenol deaths against a backdrop of 25 billion uses or uh, doses of Tylenol per year. So there have only been 5.6 million. That's a lot of chemical abortion in the United States since 2000. But that's less than a thousandth of the sales of Tylenol in a single year. Now, what does this do to your risk factor? Pay attention because this this is why you need to understand this. Using the minimal figures that are supplied by the FDA, your risk of dying from taking a mifepristone pill is about 1 in 200,000. That's not large, but it's not negligible. And remember that your risk of complications putting you in the emergency room is closer to 1 in 10 if you're mm-hmm. taking mifepristone. But your risk and death of Tylenol is actually something like one chance in 166.7 million even including those who overdose and fail to follow the manufactured instructions. So yes, women die from, uh, uh, people die from taking Tylenol. Most times it's from overdoses or misusing the drug, but still this means that your risk of dying from Mifepristone is 833 times your risk of dying from Tylenol. That's so, so neither is likely to kill you, but the statement that Mifepristone is safer than Tylenol is clearly false. You are 833 times more likely to die from taking mifepristone than from tylenol. Um, it is not safer than taking tylenol, not by a long shot.
0: Uh, those are some very interesting numbers there. And it's quite um it's appalling that the statement is is what a lot of people believe, uh, despite it being so. Despite the numbers showing that it's different, like studies show that that mifepristone is definitely it has a lot of adverse effects. It has deaths. Uh, it has caused the deaths of women, but it's, because it is underreported, um, we have this we have this common myth just floating around for everybody to hear.
2: Right. and And the reason why people have heard this, because it's what the abortion industry repeats and puts out in the media over and over again. And the media is just too often too lazy to be able to check and see what the actual numbers are and what they mean
0: yes um now can you tell us what are the far-reaching consequences of quote-unquote expanding access of abortion through pills
2: um it's it's actually rather simple uh, uh, and and sad the more broadly that mifepristone is available the more women that the more that women falsely believe that these pills offer a safe simple or easy alternative to surgical abortion the more mothers will subject their unborn children to these horrible bloody means of death and will put their own lives at risk so it's it's as long as these this uh, promotional advertising and and propaganda gets out more women will think that oh you know they're scared to death of having a surgical abortion they they don't like the idea of having to show up at the, at the clinic and and uh have strangers uh uh looking at them and and examining them and and using these mechanical instruments to get into to their most private places but they think oh well i just take a pill and th- this this baby will just like magically disappear now the truth is it's nothing like that um that people that most people don't realize is that you bleed more from a chemical abortion than you do from a surgical abortion mm-hmm. um and, and they don't understand that there that there are whole new risk that you'd face uh, from taking a, a mifepristone and misoprostol than you would from having a surgical abortion. That's not to say that that uh, either one of them is, is, is absolutely safe. They're, neither one is safe for the uh, unborn child, but both pose risk and that what you have is you get a whole new set of risks with chemical abortions. And then of course, if the chemical abortion fails, you end up back at the clinic for a surgical abortion uh, anyway, so you get those risks on top of the risk that you have with chemical abortion. They, they're they are not simpler, they're not safer, uh, they're not easier, uh, and uh, they're both uh, deadly for uh, unborn children and pose certain risks to their mothers.
0: Yes, and and add on top of that the risk, the potential for abuse, uh, where people are trying to force women to take these people who do not maybe could be the the family the boyfriend uh somebody involved in the in the in this woman's life who think that this baby is we don't want this baby so um there's there's so much scope for abuse if it is available through made available through mail and um what if a child finds it right like i mean there's just right it's just such a um such a gray area of of i mean expanding access does not sound like it is expanding access to health but rather exposing people to risks and dangers
2: Remo, let me mention there was an article that appeared in the uh it's called it's a london newspaper called the uk express appeared uh, yesterday Mm -hmm. and i don't know if you're aware that uh, a couple years ago the uh people in britain uh, uh pushed for the expansion of our, of the availability of mifepristone, and they called it there instead of abortion by mail. They called pills by post, or they they refer to them as at home abortions. And they said that uh, that they had just done a study after a freedom of information request from from members of parliament there in uh, uh, in Britain, and they had asked and found out that ambulance calls, or visits, or, or emergency calls. Were up in some areas of the country. Were uh, were, were more than doubled since they the uh, advent of at home or these abortions by mail that they're proposing to do here, um, and that uh, in multiple areas of the country that the uh, numbers of ambulance calls were up greatly uh, because of women who are taking these at home and having serious problems. That's what we can look forward to uh, if the if if the uh, FDA and the Biden administration. Uh, goes forward and continues to uh, to try to make these available by telemedicine or uh, to be able to have women be able to order these uh, from pharmacies or online pharmacies and have them shipped to their homes. You can expect uh, because they are not going to get the testing that they need to have, that they're not going to be examined for how far along they are of gestation, that they're not going to be checked for ectopic pregnancies. Um, you can expect that there'll be a lot more um, medical emergencies happening, women showing up to the ER, With severe bleeding episodes, uh, ruptured ectopic pregnancies, uh, maybe infections that they've gotten because they didn't have that uh, um, uh, doctor's examination or, or any sort of genuine serious screening for their gestation, ectopic pregnancy, and these other issues.
1: And Randall, I would imagine that there is also a profound psychological impact because the woman is left to deal with the abortion on her own i mean there may be no one with her when this occurs and and i would imagine it would be very traumatic
2: they this is something that the abortion industry just does not like to talk about as you might imagine um but women who have taken these pills talk about the the encounters that they have with their children uh, of seeing the baby swirling around in in the the shower drain or, or seeing what they say, tiny fist or or, or seeing the eyes or, or that they're able to recognize their, their, um, their, their child, which is their aborted child uh, there among all the blood and all the other tissue that's, that's, that's come out. Um, and this is something that they typically do not see when they're going through a surgical abortion. Uh, this is something that they are, and, and this is something that uh, they're often by themselves. They're having this one-on-one encounter in their own home uh with their child who's just who just been aborted and that's in, in a very painful difficult way But that's going to live with them uh the rest of their life it's probably the subject of, of of nightmares uh over the over the years and talk about needing some sort of serious uh, uh psychological healing and restoration that it's It's one thing when you're imagining what happened to your child. It's another thing when you've actually seen it happen yourself Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's, it's lodged in your memory. And um, I I feel greatly for those women and the difficulties that they've gone through. And I sure hope that they'll be able to find someone somewhere to help them uh, uh, get healing and restoration after that, after that occurs. Yes. um, We do
0: have Rachel's Vineyard Ministries and a number of other healing ministries that are available for women um, seeking healing after abortions. Now, something that I recently came across, which is very interesting, is that a lot of women who go through, who suffer an abortion, apparently in the first few years, they do not realize the effects or the ways that it has affected them. It is it is much later. It is usually the, the estimated time is 10 to 15 years after an abortion that's when a lot of these effects start to show up and that was a very interesting um thing to find out and it's also interesting that most of the studies that that try to evaluate a woman's psychological effects and or psychological effects of abortion on women are done within just after just after the abortion or like within a year or two of the abortion. So that was a very interesting point um thing that I that I read which I think is um it was good to know especially when uh Planned Parenthood and other abortion clinics push this idea that there is there, there's no psychological effect um to women going through abortions. Now um Randall what do you hope um, the outcome of all these legal proceedings right now that we're seeing now I, I do feel like there is reason to hope uh because it has put abortion pill in the limelight now what is your hope for the outcome of these proceedings
2: well we hope that when this gets back to the supreme court it's going to go through the fifth fifth circuit they're going to make a ruling on it uh and then i suppose one uh one side or the other is going to appeal it to supreme court Uh, But that when they go back and they study the uh, Alliance for Hippocratic Medicines uh, brief, that they will see like the district judge did, uh, the merits of the uh, complaints of the pro-life doctors uh, and, and pull the approval of mifepristone as an abortifacient. Now, I think um, that, that would be the, the, uh, the ideal outcome. If for some reason they, they think that, uh, They can't do that. Uh, They think that the complaint was filed too late, for example, which is one of the the claims that the abortion side is making. I hope that they'll heed the advice of the Fifth Circuit and at least reinstate the protections that existed before 2016. That's with the uh, multiple in-person visits, uh, limiting it to seven weeks, uh, requiring that only be distributed by uh, physicians, Um, and that they'll they'll drop this idea of uh, distributing it by telemedicine or by mail or through pharmacies entirely. Um, That's what I hope will do. I I hope will happen. Uh, There is a possibility, of course, that the Supreme Court will simply say, uh, no, this is the the FDA is the authority that makes the decisions in this situation. And they have declared that it's safe and effective and that we're not going to challenge the federal agency. In those circumstances, it's going to have to be a matter of what the state can do uh, about abortion in general, either either about uh, chemical abortions specifically or about abortions in general, whether there's some sort of protection that the state can apply. Uh, several states have, have uh, as you know, uh, offered protections for unborn children throughout all of pregnancy. Some of them have specifically addressed and said that, uh, that uh, there will not be they don't authorize chemical abortions or they will say that they don't authorize uh, uh, abortions by telemedicine. Um, all those things the Supreme Court in in Dobbs has said these are things that a state can do so your state can in fact prohibit uh, or, or, or or the any kind of abortion that it wishes to for whatever reason it wants to um, whether or not the the court decides that uh, these are officially safe or unsafe.
1: Randall O'Bannon of National Right to Life, thank you so much for being on the program today.
2: Thank you, glad to be with you.
1: Positively Pro-Life is made possible through the generous support of the members of the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation all across the Commonwealth. The Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation is the largest single issue pro-life organization in the Keystone State, with more than 40 local county-based chapters. We shine a spotlight on the most vulnerable individuals from the very dawn of life, the twilight life. To learn more, please visit our website at paprolife.org. And remember, there is always a reason to choose life.